I was just thinking, wouldn't it be great if the time change happened during your shift? Some people it does. Not on this show. Anyway, That'd be awful. I, I, I think I would be, I'd be able to adapt, quite frankly. But, you know, I'm one of those guys, I, this does not bother me at all. But yet you bring this up at a get-together or a dinner, you will be talking about this time shift at least twice a year because there's only two of them. But it's really aggravating for some people, and then other people just don't understand, and I'm one of them, what the fuss is about. But you know what? We do have to make a note of the fact that for some people, it really is a it is a real tough struggle. A gra- you know, gradually gradually adjusting your sleep is uh, is something that I try to do a couple of days before the change. That's a, that's the thing that I do. If I'm going to Europe, for example, I try to get into the time zone of Europe maybe about four or five days before I go over there so that the jet lag is not bad for me. But that's just that's just me. So, you know what? We figured we better get somebody on who can tell us a little bit more about this. And joining us is Dr. Mark Ternopolsky, who is the neuromuscular and neurometabolic specialist and also the CEO and founder of Stay Above Nutrition. Hello, Mark. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Hey, are you amazed that this is, this is the same thing year after year after year people just have a real tough time with this where do you want to dive in on this it, it's it's really amazing how many people are affected is it not yeah i think uh, what's interesting is that if you look at the uh, uh, fall uh, spring forward which are the two times when we switch to daylight savings and to standard time what's interesting is that the week afterwards especially in the spring where we tend to lose an hour there actually is an increased risk of heart uh, attacks what's something called atrial fibrillation, and interestingly, even motor vehicle accidents in the week afterwards. And we think this is related to an alteration in what we call our circadian rhythms, which is our brain turns on when it's light and it shuts off when it's dark. And uh, just those uh, changes, although it doesn't seem like a lot for some people, like it sounds like including you, uh, for many people it can really uh, sort of throw off uh, your alertness uh, and even uh, affect these other biological rhythms which can even cause something as serious as a heart attack. Well let's start to break it down a little bit maybe we can pass some helpful hints along. So am I doing it right by starting the time change maybe a couple of days early? Yeah I think certainly for uh, you know as you pointed out going to Europe where as we've all experienced when you fly to Europe it is a huge alteration and you have a major impact on your biological clock. And everyone who's done that feels that it's incredible what the fatigue is like when you go to Europe. And it takes you, as you pointed out, about a week or so till you adapt. But subconsciously, we change various chemicals in our body, things like cortisol, uh, epinephrine, and these things can, uh, you know, mess up your sleep cycle. They can also mess up things like, you know, your cardiovascular risk. But that can be a little bit subclinical. So you just have to be careful in that week after the switches uh, when you're driving. The other interesting aspect, especially for children, is children and older adults tend to be affected much more. Now, I certainly remember when I was a kid, you know, I'd fly three hours to uh oh. No, you know, there we go. We lost you there for a second. So you're talking about the kids and the seniors. Yeah, so children and seniors tend to be affected more. And the children, as you probably experienced yourself when you're young and you travel two or three time zones, you're totally trashed. But when you're in middle age, you can tolerate it a little bit better. But as we get older, a part of our body called the mitochondria, which is really the furnace of our cell, starts to not work as well. And there's a strong link between sleep. Wow, we're in a time zone change here with the interview. Mm-hmm, we lost mm-hmm. you. We lost you again there, but I think you were talking about uh, 
you know, people's, uh, the, the, the clock inside, it really does change a little bit, does it not? It does. It changes as we get older, and it's also not fully formed when we're young. So younger and older people tend to be more sensitive to these time shifts, for sure. Now, the, uh, the other thing, too, is that our body does send messages to the bladder and the bowels and that kind of thing, and that one's a little tougher to adjust to. Uh, how do you get around that one? leave it well enough alone now certainly from the sleeping perspective uh, melatonin can sometimes help individuals okay a one hour shift not a big issue but when you go to europe that uh, shift might help to and melatonin is a hormone that's released when we fall asleep to essentially put us to sleep but simple things especially for kids when they get grumpy for the week after a time shift make sure that they don't have any light within the hour or two before they go to bed you know playing on your cell phone uh, watching tv in the hour before you go to bed sort of wakes up the brain yeah. and you don't get a good quality sleep so i think it's really important to you know have a really rigorous schedule with the kids uh, with, that are going to school before and after the time shifts now, one ad advantage in children at the time shift is when they go to standard time, as you've probably experienced in Edmonton, it's very dark in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so kids are going to school before their brain has had time to wake up. So switching to standard time, which we're doing, gives the kids a little bit more exposure to light, and they're better able to focus when they go to school and pay attention. Optimizing your sleep environment is so important. The blackout curtains, the temperature of the room is huge, right? Oh, indeed. I mean, if you're sweaty and hot, like, you know, the hot August night, for example, very hard to sleep. So a cooler uh, evening, you know, uh, drop the temperature two or three degrees, and you'll certainly save money as well. Uh, helps you to sleep better. Uh, but it's really important also, as you pointed out, uh, to have a very dark room. Because even a little bit of light emanating, let's say, from your clock, tends to wake up the brain and you don't get as deep a sleep. And it's that deep sleep, the, what we call stage three and stage four, that resets the brain, restores your mitochondria, and gets you ready for the next day. What about regular exercise? Some people like to you know, get up at the crack of dawn and get going and exercise. I'm not one of those. I was always later in the day, but how does that affect things? Well, exercise uh, tends to stimulate uh, what's called the sympathetic nervous system. So that's your wake up, fight or flight. So generally, from a sleep perspective, it's better to get that done in the morning okay. and not too close to before you're going to bed. Because if you do it, let's say, you know, you come home from work, you eat, put the kids to bed and you go for a run, your brain is activated and it's really hard to fall asleep. So if you do it at shortly after dinner, not a problem. You know, you go to the gym for a bit, but give yourself that two to three hours to let the body recover. Very much like don't activate your, your brain with a TV and computers yeah. in the hour or two before you go to bed. Uh, but certainly I find myself, if I travel a big time gap like going to Europe, getting that exercise first thing in the morning is helpful both to, you know, reset your clock. But as you pointed out too, the bowels still remember what the clock was before. Right. And certainly uh, exercise and things like you know, coffee and a meal help to get the bowels back on track and get them back on that new circadian rhythm. Well, kind of speaking about food, uh, the balanced diet thing is, a, is something that everybody struggles with. But any suggestions for that? Alcohol intake, you know, all that kind of stuff. Oh, for sure. So um, alcohol, we think, is great. Uh... I think he said great. I'm pretty sure he said great. It's good. Yeah. Did we lose him? Hello? Yeah, there we go. We were cutting out all the time here, so I think maybe this is a time zone thing. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. You were talking so, about uh... alcohol intake, and that, that was a real dramatic place to stop for me. Getting <laughs> better sleep, but in fact, the quality is not as good. So people tend to have lighter sleep if they drink an alcohol before they go to bed. 
you know, oh. beer, glass of wine, not a big deal at dinner, but, you know, powering back two or three drinks before you go to bed. Okay. To that deep sleep. Omega-3, what about that? Well, omega-3s, uh, certainly for uh, younger children in Canada, children tend not to be getting what's called DHA, uh, which is the omega-3 that helps with brain development and uh, eye development. And uh, we've tended to move away from fish intake. So if you don't have fish in your diet and you're not taking an omega-3 supplement, uh, supplementing with an omega-3 that has what's called DHA. Okay. And... The other thing that's important as well for children in particular, but all of us, I think, need this to wake up in the morning. If you skip breakfast, never a good idea. Mm -hmm. So having some protein with breakfast helps you to sort of last through the morning, especially for children. They can focus better if they've got some protein. Perfect. I love Fridays. Great. You mentioned screen time before bed. I keep preaching this one all the time. It doesn't have to be the time zone change, but that's a big one just for sleep patterns, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's so much evidence coming out that that light that emanates from your computer and your phone uh, tends to wake up your brain. doesn't help you when you want to go to sleep. Listen, thanks for your time. Do you struggle with it? Because, you know, you have all this information, but do you still have a little bit of a tough time with this this change? Well, I don't have so much a problem uh, with the spring and the fall change as I do traveling to Europe. Okay. But as I mentioned, older adults, younger children really struggle with this. And even middle-aged individuals, just be a little careful for that week after either the spring or the fall change because there is that increased risk of not being as sharp as you might otherwise be. So be very careful when you're driving. Well, good luck with it this weekend, okay? And thanks for your time. We appreciate you being with us on the show. All right. Sorry about the cutout. That's all right. It's a Friday. And I kind of expect anything on a Friday. So thanks, Dr. Mark. Uh, You're welcome. There he goes, Dr. Mark Tonopolsky, joining us on the show today.